Hey, Brookside. Welcome to everyone here at our Miller campus. Welcome to everyone in Mod 7 at our Correctional Center campus, and welcome to everyone watching online. Well, we're just coming off as a, as a church family. Of the last few weeks, we've been really leaning into something we've been calling immeasurably more for the city. This initiative we've been talking a lot about for, for five or six weeks, really forecasting ahead to what God has for us over the next few years, what we'll be leaning into in a special way. And so, so it's been great for me to hear about the response to that, for, for me to hear about the ex excitement around what's coming. And, and I know that next week, Jeff will give all of us a fuller update on where things are at as we look ahead and start taking ground with that. And then a quick, a quick point just for the Millard campus. Uh, today, right after this service, we've got something called a 10-minute party. That, that is just a few minutes. It's right over here to my left, your right. There's a sign that says 10-minute party. It's a great way if you're, if you're new or newish to our church to, to, get, to, 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 uh, to get to meet a few staff to find out what we're all about as a church and the things we, uh, we really prioritize and lean into, and then also just to find ways for you to get connected and plugged in. So again, that's right after this service, right over here. Be sure and check it out. Well, let me start off our, our teaching time today with, with a few questions that are really worthwhile for us all to be thinking about. So, so one question, what is faith? And this isn't just a church question. Right? Because this is something that, that relates to all of us. Every one of us here has used the word faith. That we, we've either talked about faith that we have in someone or something, or we've heard other people talk about their faith, faith in whatever they believe in. So we hear about it often enough, but, but do we often take time to, to think about what, what does faith mean? What does faith look like? How does faith get lived out? Why does faith make sense? What or who do we place our faith in? Well, these are, these are again, really important and worthwhile questions, questions that we, that we can't sidestep or dismiss, because even if you're a thinker and, and not so much a feeler, and you feel like maybe those questions don't relate to me as much, well, let me show you how these questions about faith do apply to you. Because you can't write off faith only for the super-religious. We, we all place our faith in someone or something, right? Because we, we all place our faith or our trust in doctors in times of sickness. We all place our faith in friends to watch our kids. We all place our faith in Siri to, to tell us what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. Or maybe some of you place your faith in Siri to watch your kids and your friends to tell you what the weather's like. So, so we all place our faith in someone or something. Maybe you look to your job to give you identity. Maybe you look to, to money to provide you security. Maybe you look to your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend to give you a sense of fulfillment and purpose. So, so the question for every one of us isn't, do you have faith? But the, the, but the question for all of us is, is, what or who are you placing your faith, your, your trust in? Well, in the book of Hebrews in the Bible, the author of Hebrews is working hard to ignite and encourage our faith in God, bold faith in a big God. The people he's writing to, they're tempted to back off of faith because of suffering they're experiencing, because of difficulties they're encountering. They're realizing that faith in Jesus isn't always easy. 
Faith in Jesus doesn't mean everything is always going to go just the way we think it should go. Sometimes faith in Jesus is downright hard and even costly for us. And so in all sorts of ways throughout this New Testament book of Hebrews, the author is trying to say again and again to his first century readers, to who he's writing to directly, but also to us who he's still talking to, he's telling us that faith in Jesus, that following Jesus is worth it. Following Jesus and, and putting our faith in him is better than any alternative because of who Jesus is as the Son of God and because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross and what he offers to us. And so so to help him make this point, to help him encourage faith in us, the author of Hebrews, when he comes to chapter 11 in the book, he starts listing out all these people, all of these Old Testament characters, characters, who are, who are described, who are characterized with big faith. He gives us this sort of faith hall of fame. Each one of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 is an everyday hero. And they're an everyday hero not because they're perfect, because dig into their stories and you'll see they have plenty of flaws, plenty of them. But they're not everyday heroes because they have access to powers that we don't have access to. They're everyday heroes because of their faith. And the faith that they showed hundreds and thousands of years ago, that that faith echoes down through the centuries. And their faith should, should, should echo down through those centuries and encourage our own faith, your faith, today. And so starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we come to the granddaddy of them all. We come to to the Old Testament greatest of all time example of faith. We come to this man named Abraham. The New Testament refers to the faith of Abraham more than any other Old Testament character. His faith is mentioned in big ways in Romans 4, Galatians 3, James 2. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham gets more real estate than any other person in the Old Testament mentioned. He gets the spotlight. And so so if we want to have our faith encouraged, if we want to see what faith looks like, not just back then in his life, but if we want to see what faith looks like today, we have got to learn from Abraham. And so, so let's just get right into his life. Let's get right to it. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 8 and focus first on just a few verses. So here's Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And so, so that right there is a big step of faith. Abraham starts following God out the door when he doesn't fully know what's around the corner. But then verse 9 continues. Verse 9 says, By faith Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did then his descendants, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Faith in God is all over. Just these two verses. Abraham's faith plays out as as his taking steps of risk. He takes a step out the door in response to God, not fully knowing where he's going to ultimately end up. 
Abraham's faith, it shows itself as perseverance, living in tents over the course of decades until his death in the land that he'd been promised, never fully receiving what God had given him. That's perseverance. Maybe you read that and you're just more cynical by nature or whatever. And you say, say, that's not faith. That's foolishness. After all, you say, don't these verses basically say that Abraham is just responding to some subjective impulse that he had. He leaves home and then he's always chasing some ideal that he never attains. History wouldn't have remembered Abraham if that's all there was to him. The, the three great, the, the three big monotheistic faiths, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, wouldn't all three of them tie their roots directly back to Abraham if that's all there was to him. And verse 10 shows us why there's more to him. Verse 10 shows us what faith is in Abraham's life. Here we see clearly in verse 10 why Abraham risks starting a journey when he doesn't know the destination. Verse 10 shows us why Abraham perseveres as a tourist in the land he'd been promised. Here's what verse 10 says. It says, says, For Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham's confidence in the future shaped his life in the present. Abraham's conviction about who God is shaped how he lived. And so when looked at this way, Abraham's step of risk, it's a show of courage. Abraham's perseverance is inspiring over the course of decades that he persevered. And Abraham's view of God and what God is doing in the world, it, it becomes inviting. It's compelling to us. For some of you, 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 you've never looked at faith this way. And so, so hopefully over the course of this series, but also just today, hopefully you see that faith isn't just some cop-out. Faith isn't a crutch, because Abraham wouldn't have left everything that was comfortable to him to go into an uncertain future if faith is only a crutch. Faith is conviction about what's true that is lived out in everyday life. Faith is conviction about what's true, about, about who God is and what he's doing, that that means something for the way you live your life this week, the way you live your life today. Or others of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And what we see today from, from Abraham, I, I hope it fuels your own faith, because we all need to top off our fuel tank every now and then. As we see how Abraham's faith, how it takes shape in his own life, as we see what fuels his, his perseverance, his steps of risk, I want us to get fresh gas to keep going on the journey God has called us on as well. And so, so today, we're just going to drill more deeply down into, into these lessons that we see in Abraham's life. We're going to let it motivate our own faith, our own willingness to embrace risk in obedience to God and his word. We want Abraham's faith to motivate our own faithful perseverance, maybe even perseverance over decades of difficulty as we follow Jesus towards the future he's promised to us. 
And then I want Abraham's faith to, to motivate our own big view of God. God is way bigger than we think. He's way better than we think. And what he's doing in the world is good. I want, I want Abraham's faith to remind us, to teach us of all of those things. And so here's what we're going to see about, about faith from Abraham's life. We're going to see that faith takes risks. Confident that what you gain, it surpasses what you give. We're going to see that, we're going to see that faith perseveres, believing that what is ultimate is better than what is immediate. And we're going to see that faith centers on God. Faith is more focused on questions about who, who he is, than questions about how or where. So let's start off at the top. Faith takes risks, confident that what you gain far surpasses what you give. Hebrews 11.8 has shown us some of the risks that Abraham takes when he walks out the door in obedience to God's call on his life. When he, when he heads out, even though he didn't know where he was going, is what Hebrews 11 says. But, but then that, that risk that Abraham takes, it only grows larger when we go back to the first book of our Bibles, to the book of Genesis, and we read the firsthand account of God's call on Abraham's life. Check this out with me. So we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. So here's what... Genesis eleven thirty one 31 says, it says, Terah took his son Abram. So Abram is Abraham. His name gets changed a little bit later on. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years, and then he died in Haran. And so, so all of that is just setting up context. So, so Abraham had been in this city called Ur that archaeologists have actually dug up. They've discovered it towards the beginning of the 20th century. Huge city, significant city around the year 2000 B.C., probably the time when Abraham lived. And so, so Abraham starts out in this huge metropolitan, significant city, and then he and his family go out to this place called Haran. And then in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, we continue. Genesis says, the, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. He obeyed as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, now don't miss what, Abram, what Abraham is asked to leave there in those verses. God tells him, go from your country. Go from your people. Go from your father's household. This is basically like asking Abraham to, to, to leave behind everything that laid the foundation for his identity and his security, to, to go to the land that God would show him. And so there's risk involved here. Abraham is being asked to sacrifice a whole lot. And I don't want to skate past this point without making sure that, that we all see, we're all reminded that faith in Jesus still 
asks us to sacrifice things today. You surrender control of your life to Jesus. It means you follow his agenda for your life. And and his agenda is good, but it's still his and not yours. It means your primary identity isn't in what you do or some image you curate. It means your primary identity is whose you are. You, You belong to God as an adopted son or daughter through faith in Jesus. And so faith in Jesus is costly. Faith in God is costly. But what you gain far surpasses what you give. We see that in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, when God starts listening to all these promises that he gives to Abraham. Check this out. He says says to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. And he says, all families on earth will be blessed through you. This is looking way ahead to the time of Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham through whom all families on earth are blessed. That's a promise. And still today, what we gain far surpasses what we give as we follow Jesus. Check it out in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. You can just write those down. I'll Uh, I'll read them here in just a second. Here, Jesus himself gives us a picture of of the cost that goes along with following him. But look at what we gain. Here's what Jesus says in Luke 9. He says, then then Jesus says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So there's cost. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Pay attention to what we gain. We're saved from our desperate state of sinfulness because of Jesus. We're saved from our empty way of life apart from him. And we're saved for true and eternal life with God, the way we were designed to live, with all of the meaning and purpose and hope and peace and fulfillment and assurance that he offers us. That's what we're saved for. That's what we gain. And so faith takes risks. Yes. But but what we gain far surpasses what we give. A few weeks ago, I was in Zambia on Brookside's Go Teams trip there. Uh, As a church family, we've been going back and forth to Zambia for, for more than a decade, since about 2008, and, and helping train pastors there, uh, helping serve and care and love on orphans that are there part of the Hope Center. And, and I've been on a bunch of those trips. And it is a highlight every year for me to go and just sit with a group of pastors over the course of a few years is how long their program is, and just help them, help them lay this foundation for how to understand and, and teach the Bible and theology. Man, so seeing, their, seeing their motivation to learn this book is fuel for my soul every year when I go in the spring. It's a highlight as they, as they faithfully then take that and go serve their churches. It's a, it's a highlight for me to go see the kids. I've been going now for 11 or 12 years. See the kids go from this big now to this big. 
you know, and, and to see some of them graduate high school, to see some of them go on to college, to see the tangible difference the Hope Center is making in their lives. It's, it's a highlight for me to go and, and interact with the friendships I've built there. Over the course of a decade, there's so many great people who are involved in leadership of the Hope Center. And one of those leaders that stands out is a woman by the name of Marjorie. Many of you know Marjorie. She's been here to Brookside a couple of times. Maybe you've met her on one of the trips if you've taken the, the Go Team's trip to Zambia yourself. She's an amazing leader, and she's the director of the Hope Center. And Marjorie is an example of the same sort of faith, that the faith that takes risks that we see in the life of Abraham. Earlier this week, I was emailing back and forth with Marjorie about some of this, uh, and she gave me permission to share uh, her story, what she wrote with you today. So, so listen to what Marjorie says. She says, when I think about it, Abraham's story has greatly influenced my own walk of faith. The fact that Abraham obeyed God, despite not knowing where he was going, no, no GPS, no map, leaving family and familiar surroundings behind, and stepping out into the unknown really challenged me. Then listen to this that she says, over the years I have learned that God does amazing things when you take him at his word and obey. That's a great statement. And then she goes on to say practically how this looks in her life over a couple different episodes. She says, my first faith journey was in 2008 when I stepped out. She quit a well-paying job. She left behind a brand new car, which is a big deal in her context, with no job to go to. And then she says, I did this knowing I had a mortgage to pay. I must admit it was scary. There's risk. But during that time, I experienced God's faithfulness and provision in ways I would never have anticipated. And then she talked about her next step of faith that came in 2016, when she felt a call to come and serve at the Hope Center as the director there. And she says, again, this meant leaving a church family that I loved and cherished, leaving a well-paying job, leaving a city where I could easily get or find what I needed, leaving behind family and friends, leaving what I was familiar with to go to the unfamiliar. Look at everything she left. Stepping out of my comfort zone to go to a place that I had no idea what to expect, knowing I would no longer be able to walk into a shop and get bacon and other ingredients I would need. I love that the one specific item she mentions is bacon. <laughs> That's sacrifice when bacon is up for grabs. She says I would have to make new friends, I would have to settle into a new church. Then listen to how she finishes. She says, I now look back almost three years down the line. That's, that's a long time. I look down three years down the line, and I see a God of faithfulness and provision. Yes, the place is a far cry from the glitz and glam of Lusaka. That's, that's the capital city where she had been living. But Serenje has become a place I now call my second home. I know God isn't done with me yet, and I trust him to unfold more than I could dare to think or ask. Marjorie has given up plenty in faith. And Marjorie has gained much because of her faith. Faith in God takes risks. 
but what we gain far surpasses what we're asked to give. Faith also perseveres, believing that what is ultimate is better than what is immediate. We saw in the, in the verses we read from Genesis 12 that Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran to set out for this, this land of Canaan, this place God had told him to go to. And then later on in Genesis, in chapter 25, we learn that Abraham is 175 years old when he dies. And so, so this is easy math for me to do, right? 175 when he dies minus 75 when he leaves for Canaan, 100 years of living in tents. 100 years, decade after decade after decade after decade of faithfully persevering in faith in the direction God had called him. What would motivate that kind of perseverance? What kept Abraham going for a century? What could motivate someone to persevere faithfully like that for that long? I mean, I'm a member of Amazon Prime, and I get impatient because it takes me two days for something I ordered to get here from to get to my front porch from across the country. What could motivate someone to patiently and faithfully persevere for a century? Hebrews 11 tells us. These, these verses I'm about to read, they're verses to underline or put a star by because you will not understand faith if you don't understand these verses. Hebrews 11.10 says that Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations who, whose builder and architect is God. So, so, so don't miss what and who Abraham was focused on. Or just a couple of verses further down in verse 13 Says, says all these people, everyone mentioned so far in Hebrews 11, including Abraham, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been looking for, for the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing, longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Abraham's focus wasn't on what he left behind. Abraham's focus wasn't on his immediate circumstances, another night sleeping in a tent. Abraham's focus was on what mattered most, what was on what was of ultimate importance, his eternal destiny. Now, now it's for sure natural for us to focus on what's right in front of us. I mean, of course, we need to do that to a certain extent. When you're driving, I want you to be focused on what's right in front of you. But, but if we lose sight of the eternal, if we focus only on what's right in front of us and forget to think about the bigger picture of eternity, we will live poorly in the present. 
Everyone who's ever made lifestyle choices about, about eating or exercise, you know what I'm talking about. If you're only thinking about what sounds good today, then you're going to go fast food and Netflix binge as your default mode, right? Because it's easy. It feels good in the moment. And when you put a sugar coma on top of that, hoorah, right? But when you think long-term, when you think about the health that you want to have when you're 45 or 65 or 85, when you think about that bigger picture, you start to make different choices now in the present. That the bigger picture changes what you do today. You eat something green and you stay active. You don't focus on what immediately feels good right now. You focus on what's best, what's right, what's good long term. You focus not on the immediate, you focus on the ultimate. And so, so in what areas do you need to persevere in your faith to, to make sure you're not only focused on the immediate, but you're also factoring in the ultimate? Hey, how do you need to show resolute faith in God even when it's difficult? Because perseverance, by definition, means that you're persevering through difficulty. This isn't coasting. How do you persevere in faith even when it's difficult? In what area do you need to remain steadfast in your faith, your obedience to God, even though circumstances are pulling you or pushing you in some other direction? How will you fix your focus on what ultimately matters, on who God is and on what he's doing in the world? So faith, faith takes risks. Knowing that what you gain far surpasses what you give. Faith perseveres, believing that what is ultimate is better than what is immediate. And then faith centers on God. It, it focuses more on who, who he is, than on where and how questions. How, how is God going to work that out? Where is he taking me? Those questions go way down the ladder if we focus most on who God is. We've already started talking about a lot of what this point is getting at. So, so even though we're going to be really quick here, I want to make sure that we're clear, that we don't just hold Abraham up as some example that we, we kind of clench our fists and we try really hard to follow his example. Because if we're going to follow Abraham's faith, that means we will be directed to Abraham's God. When God tells Abraham to go, Abraham doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know the final destination at first. But he knows who he's going with. As you keep reading Abraham's story, you come across these promises that God gives Abraham to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But what maybe you, we don't know is, is the Bible also tells us that, that Abraham and his wife can't get pregnant. They've been struggling with infertility. And so, so Abraham doesn't hear these promises and say, say, God, how? Because he knows who is making the promises. He has faith. He believes. For Abraham, his focus is on who way more than where and how. That's what faith centers on. 
knowing who God has revealed himself to be. Primarily in this book, who God has revealed himself to be, and then walking in faithful obedience in line with that. A guy by the name of Oswald Chambers has written this classic book called My Utmost for His, for his Highest. It's just a series of, of daily spiritual readings throughout the course of a whole year that, that have been kind of a boost and a spiritual charge for so many. It's stood the test of time. It's been published in America for over 80 years, so it's good. And listen to what Chambers says on this point as he reflects on Abraham's faith. Get this. He says, living a life of faith means never knowing where you are being led. Not, not ultimately knowing, but it does mean loving and knowing the one who is leading. It's literally a life of faith, a life of knowing him who calls us to go. Faith is rooted in the knowledge of a person. Faith is rooted in the knowledge of a person. And so, so that means the best way to grow in faith is to grow in our knowledge of God, the one in whom we place our faith. And, and this isn't just knowing more things about God. I mean, there's a place for that. We want to know God accurately like he really is. We don't want to just come up with our own idea of who we think God is. We want to know God as he's revealed himself to be. But this is more than just knowing about God. This isn't just believing that God exists. This is believing God that this is personal, experiential knowledge of, of the God who created the universe and the God who loves you enough to send his son to die for us. So we learn who God has revealed himself to be. We, we interact with him in prayer, and we join him in the mission of what he's doing in the world. Faith centers on God. Faith centers most on who? Way before ever factoring questions like where or how. We want to keep in front of us over the course of this whole series as we look at Hebrews 11 that we want to be changed people. We, we always want to be changed people as we come to this, this book, the, the truth of what God has said in his word. We want to be formed by scripture and so, the, so since the author of Hebrews is writing to encourage bold faith in a big God, the way we want to be formed falls right in line with that. We, we want to be people of faith. <laughs> we want to be, be, be people who are growing in bold faith in a big God. And so the question we want to keep in front of, of all of us is, is this a question for you to ask yourself? Lord, where do you want me to grow in faith? Which one of the lessons from Abraham's own faith, which one of those lessons do you need to grab hold of today that needs to shape how you grow in faith moving forward? Faith takes risks, knowing that what we gain far surpasses what we give. Is there an area where God is challenging you in line with his word to take a risk, to take a step of faith in obedience to him? Is God challenging you to, to, to live in a way that, that might be costly? Is going to ask you to give something up. But it's right. It's good. Faith perseveres. 
believing that what is ultimate is, is better than what is immediate. And so, so in what area is your faith being challenged right now? How does your faith need to persevere through difficulty, maybe suffering, maybe circumstances, whatever it is, even if it feels like you've already been persevering for a really long time? How, how can you focus on what is of ultimate importance? How will you set your focus on eternity? And how can that help you stay the course through whatever it is you're facing right now? And then faith centers on God. It focuses most on who, more than questions of where and how. So how will you keep getting to know the God who has revealed himself to us in the Bible? Well, what truths about God do you need to discover for the first time or rediscover for you to trust him with the things you're facing today, with the things you're facing this week right now? Where does God want you to grow in faith? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for your word where we, where we see examples like Abraham who, who motivate our own faith. But, but Jesus, we, we thank you more that through Abraham's example, we're directed to you, God. And so, so Father, I would pray that, that in this place and in our hearts, you would motivate bold faith. God, help us to, to wisely discern areas we need to take risk and obedience to your word. Help us to see how faith perseveres and give us the strength and the grace to do that. And Jesus and everything, keep our focus on God, who he is. May that be what motivates our big faith in a big God. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.